Uh, that is just about it at the moment. So uh, we move on. You can text any time, 1-300-800-222, But uh, let's head to the United States now, to the east coast of the US, where Celeste Katz-Marston is with us. Celeste, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. All right. Now, um, let's go to the top, shall we? Let's go straight to the president, President Biden. He had COVID. It, it, I mean, it's pretty dangerous. He's, what, 78 years of age. Uh, but he seemed to be all right. And then he said he'd recovered and tested negative, And now he's got it again. Yeah, apparently this is something that people have been experiencing when they're taking some of the new treatments, therapeutics to help people get through COVID. He was taking a drug called Paxlovid. Um, He tested positive, took the medication, tested negative, but then tested positive again. So this might be this might be an example of what they are calling Paxlovid rebound, which is uh, people getting better, but you know, testing positive again. Supposedly, he says he feels pretty good and he's been working through this. Uh, this experience. And look, I think it's important. Uh, Boris Johnson had it far worse than uh, than um, than Joe Biden and our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, had uh, COVID as well during the election campaign, in fact. But I think as long as they're okay and they make it through and there are no long COVID symptoms and there's no danger there, I don't think it hurts for a leader to experience what, you know, millions of their, you know, the people in their country have experienced. Yeah, we've had uh, two presidents in a row now, obviously, and President Trump, and this was certainly before the vaccine, in fairness, but he was uh, appeared to be far, far sicker, was yeah. transported to Walter Reed Medical Center and given all the, uh, uh, all the medical treatments that were available for the virus at the time. We didn't know as much about it, and we didn't know how to take care of people, certainly, uh, as well as we do now, but uh, this, this is something that we're probably going to see a lot more of people just coming down with it as we continue to see new strains, um, you know, strains that get past that break through vaccination. Um, Biden was fully vaccinated. I I hope that doesn't send people a message that uh, there's no point in getting vaccinated because he might be far, far sicker if he had not taken those precautions. Well, that's what all the figures tell you, is that if the more vaccinations you have, then you are, at the moment anyway, less likely to uh, you know, become very sick or even die from the uh, the virus. So it's a great reason to get vaccinated. And for people to say, well, what's the point? You know, well, you know, you get a flu vaccine every year, or a lot of people do. You know, if it just gets to the point where you have to have a COVID vaccine every year, well, so what? What's the problem? I don't quite understand. But anyway, we wish him uh, good health. Um, and he's had a busy week. I mean, you know. Uh, I presume hitting the uh, the go button for the, uh, the the when they killed the head of Al Qaeda or the former you know, deputy of Al Qaeda that was uh, that was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, that was certainly a very big deal, and uh, I you know we've been talking about that quite a bit here in the U.S. Although some of that I felt like in the news coverage has been a little bit stepped on by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip mm. to Taiwan, which I know you're going to uh, yeah. be talking about that on your program, but. Um, certainly something that has a lot of people having a lot of opinions about and 
the White House sort of not really on the same page with her uh, and trying to be emphatic about the fact that this does not indicate a change in uh, U.S. policy towards China or Taiwan. We will talk about it, obviously, in the next hour. But what do you make of it? I mean, why would she do it, knowing how tense that area is anyway and knowing that China is not going to be happy, knowing that the White House isn't happy with it, what point is there of her going to Taiwan for a day? Look, I mean, you could look at it a couple of different ways. I mean, she has a long history of speaking out against human rights violations in uh, in China. She, you know, around the time of Tiananmen Square, but otherwise, um, that she feels that there should be some sort of normalized relations or recognized relations with Taiwan. Uh, certainly, the U.S. and the White House are walking a real tightrope on this one. Um, and you know, if you think about it as a practical matter, um, if things escalate, what's really going to, you know, in terms of like a military fashion, and they've been doing testing, as you as you know, uh, drills, live fire drills, things like that. Um, you know, what what is going to be the practical outcome? So, I mean, is making a statement going to have some deep impact on U.S.-China relations or U.S.-Taiwan relations? Uh, you know, it's sort, it's sort of hard to see that as an argument. But, I mean, is it is it simply a, a provocation with no reason? Um, like, is it completely not worthwhile to recognize Taiwan? Uh, you know, I think you'd have a hard time making that argument. I, I'm certainly not going to solve it for you, Rod. I'm, I'm yes, sorry to tell you. No, that's quite okay. All right. However, uh, Joe Biden has uh, you know, been very busy uh, also with um, the ongoing problem with uh, abortion in the United States. We know about the reversal or the you know, change of in the Roe versus Wade ruling. What can he do? What has he done in order to help women in states that have already passed laws basically um, banning it or outlawing it? Yeah, what we're seeing right now is a scramble by uh, women who want to get uh, an abortion procedure and providers who want to help them. Uh, There's now a lot of sort of interstate travel or interstate inquiries. If you live in a state where they have uh, used these trigger laws that were already in place in the event that Roe versus Wade was struck down, um, those laws went automatically into effect. So now you have uh, a lot of people sort of uh, you know, frantically trying to look at uh, how you can get people into a state that is more more welcoming or has more open policies towards abortion. So what he did um, this week, he was supposed to do it in person, but he did it remotely because of COVID, um, was sign this executive order that helps uh, women who want to cross state borders to get these abortions. It doesn't mean that everybody who wants to do that can. There's a question about the use of federal funding to help people who are traveling between states. Um, We have laws in the U.S. that don't allow, uh, that restrict the way public money, uh, you know, government funding can be used uh, as associated with abortion. Basically, it has to be in sort of more extreme situations. But, you know, trying to do whatever he can, at least on the federal level, to indicate the support of the government for people being able to access this kind of uh, these kinds of procedures. Okay, let's just go back if we can to uh, Nancy Pelosi for a moment. John and Coburg okay. has texted in and says it's all about the midterm election. Pelosi's main aim is to try and win the House and at least half of the Senate seats. I think they want more than half the Senate seats. Um, Saber rattling and confrontation never hurt. 
I mean, do you think that's? Do you think that that is? I mean, look, I know everything is political. I know you have to look at everything through the prism of an election, which is coming up later in the year. But how many people would be voting Democrat because Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan for a day? Uh, no, again, I, I'm not quite. I can't quite quantify it for you. But look, I mean, in this country, people have been dealing with the impact of uh, you know very high inflation, high gas prices. We're seeing uh, layoffs at companies. Sort of again, still dealing with COVID, reeling actually from from COVID and what it's done to the United States. Continuing to deal with the pandemic, possibly now starting to deal with uh, uh, a surge in monkeypox cases. But there are a lot of other things for people to talk about um and you know maybe as part of a well-balanced diet of political uh, news consumption and decision making it might play a part i mean are there a lot of single issue voters on u.s taiwan china policy i'm not entirely sure about that no okay let's move now to something that quite honestly celeste makes me feel ill every time i hear about (laughs) this sort of thing (laughs) And that is a lottery with a jackpot that has gone off of 1.34 billion, not million, billion dollars won by one person in Illinois. Surely, I mean, I feel bad about it when we hear 80 million a hundred million dollars going off in a lottery in Australia or a Powerball or whatever you want to call it. This is wrong. This on every level, it is wrong that one person should become a billionaire overnight. The idea that one person gets all that money is it will ruin their life. But we don't know who it is, and hopefully we never will. Tragically, I I can report that it wasn't me. Not you. Yeah. No, not this. Not this. Would Next you, time. I mean, but quite seriously, one point three billion. What would you do with one point? You'd have to give most of it away, and then you spend your entire life making sure that it goes to the right people, and then everyone who knows you won it are constantly badgering you for money. Well, the first thing I would do would be to establish a large-scale, uh, free-range dachshund ranch and preserve. Um, that is my, my my personal dream in life, uh, to just have sort of roving dachshunds on the on the oh. plains and in the fields or hills or really? or whatever wow. it may okay. be. Um, but yeah, look, it's a lot of money for one person. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Um, but there are people with more money, and and you know they do a lot of philanthropic things, or maybe they just enjoy themselves and buy a lot of stuff and contribute to the economy or they go terribly wrong and aren't ruined by the money. Um, but in, and in this case, you know, lotteries uh, here certainly are promoted as uh, a lot of the money that comes in from the lottery system goes to public education and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, I don't yeah, have a problem with having lotteries. That's not my problem. My problem is one person winning over a billion dollars. Surely it would be better if, I don't know. My math is terrible. If a hundred thousand people each won a hundred thousand dollars each, surely that would be better than one person winning a billion. Well, then you'd have to have multiple picks for every job. Yeah, right? fantastic. And... No, put everybody's name in the hat and pull it out. Fantastic. Once well, it goes people... over a hundred million dollars, then let's let's share it around. 
they have i mean they have i think it's sort of uh comes in stages right if you if you match a certain number of sure, numbers yeah. you get something um but you know yeah if you match all the numbers one person gets everything that can contribute to all kinds of things but look mm-hmm. i mean people i i think the lottery system as a practical matter raises money for these these yes. public goods but it also plays into people's fantasies of escape and so on and mm-hmm. you certainly do see uh, purchases of lottery tickets go up in times of economic hardship which we are in the united states experiencing now i think isn't it was it georgia because of the lottery anyone with a b average at school gets free tuition at university now that is the benefit of having a lottery. I think it's, there could be more than just Georgia, the state of Georgia that does it. I think there might be other states as well. But that is, that's when it does good. But you could take, seriously, of the 1.34 billion, you could give away a billion and still have $34 million left. You could fund an entire university, couldn't you? You could, but again, I mean... You could buy a football would... team. You could... I think it's a matter of free choice ultimately. Oh, I mean, yeah, you could no. do a lot of things, but then who's to determine? Yes. Who's to determine what, uh, what yeah. good, what 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 worthy goal or or person or group yes, of people sure. or cause should be should be financed by those winnings? I, mean, uh, yeah, honest, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just I then then of course worry about what if somebody with children has it, they then will think, well, I never have to work again in my life. You know, they don't have to bother going to school. I got a billion dollars. I can do what I want. And then that, anyway, anyway, let's move to Boston, Massachusetts, one of the most beautiful, uh, wonderful cities in the United States. How's your kind of train system there? What's it like? Right now, it's kind of a mess. Uh, typically, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It, it goes uh, quite a lot of places. It's extensive. It has multiple lines. It's supplemented by a bus uh, shuttle system and so on. And and a lot of people use it. Uh, Boston traffic is terrible, to put it mildly. Boston drivers are, I don't know if they're famous world over, but they're certainly famous uh, in, in the U.S. as kind of the butt of jokes for just being... Uh, you know, uh, special, special. Rude, (laughs) not allowing people, you know, like not realizing there are other people on the road. It's just all about them. Oh, carelessly aggressive or aggressively careless. careless. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've driven in Boston and it's, it's not fun, but I've driven in New York and I'm sure lots of people would say that that's a nightmare as well. So, um, but for the most part, it it's a good service. It's it's pretty reasonably priced and and so on. But it's been having a lot of problems lately. Uh, a lot of that, I think, due to sort of deferred maintenance. Um, they've made improvements, but other parts of the system just have not been kept up, and over time have deteriorated more and more to the point where we're now seeing uh, brake failures, fires, just fires, oh, yeah, cars being that. on fire. And there was a, a famous case recently yeah. um, in this line that they're now shutting down, which is called the Orange Line, which actually services a lot of uh, places that you may have been yourself in Boston. I know you're a history buff, so mm. sort of these famous places. But, um, you know, there was a fire on this Orange Line on a bridge or an overpass, which involved a woman just leaping out of the train oh, into the water. Water and yeah. swimming away it, it, it's bad so now they are taking this unprecedented i believe uh step of shutting down an entire train line for something like 30 days 
to just deal with this problem. It's it's it just does not seem safe. My favorite line's the green line, by the way. I mm-hmm. just to throw that in. I think that's the one you catch out to Brookline to go to the Kennedy birthplace, which I'd be interested to know whether you've actually been there yet. Celeste. I don't know, and I and I I regret to say that I I don't think I have unless it was just in passing. Maybe I have in passing, but I know you've mentioned this yeah. as as being one of the stops on your travels here in Massachusetts. Mm, worth having a look at. Anyway, so uh, shutting down the entire line for a month. That's also known as what happens in Sydney just about every weekend. Uh, you know, there's wow. there's nothing more depressing than seeing a bus that has train replacement written on it um having said all that you know there's an old saying as i know you are very well aware justice delayed is justice denied and also that the wheels of justice turn slowly but do they really turn this slowly that after 300 what is it 329 years later somebody has been cleared of being a witch uh it took them a while to get round to it what happened Right. So so people have probably heard of the, the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts, which uh, were uh, memorialized in history. If you've read uh, The Crucible, I think, yes. Arthur Miller's uh, right. uh, you know, uh, play and so on. Um, right. So most of these people over time, their families took some some steps to have them officially sort of exonerated and to have their names cleared that they were, in fact, not witches or warlocks or practicing witchcraft or any of this stuff. But there were some people that didn't have anybody to do that for them. And so this one woman, Elizabeth Johnson Jr., um, was sentenced to die uh, for the crime of witchcraft in 1693. Um, She pleaded guilty. And as it turned out, uh, most of the people who pleaded guilty to these charges were not the people who were uh, who were executed. Uh, her mother was one of these people who was, uh, I believe, also uh, accused but not executed. So as it turned out, though, there had not been anyone to uh, speak up for this uh, woman, Elizabeth Johnson Jr., uh, until now, 329 years later, when a bunch of school kids uh, essentially took up her cause and asked that her name be officially cleared in the records of of Massachusetts, what formerly was, I believe, Massachusetts Bay Colony. Mm-hmm. And so that finally has just happened. Now, yes, they've been pushing for it, but the actual story itself, you say, is buried kind of in the budget. I mean, that there wasn't a big deal made out of it by the government. And let's face it, the governor wasn't the one who had her convicted of being a witch. So, you know, he can take no you know responsibility for that but uh, yeah it's kind of they kept it quiet did they yeah they had they had taken a number of different uh uh tacks to try to get this woman's name cleared uh they wrote letters and and so on but it, it didn't really seem to be going anywhere and in fairness tons of people write tons of letters or propose bills or support causes and some of these things just fall by the wayside there's not a sponsor for them in the legislature or whatever it is but as it turns out they're uh, the state senator of these kids who are eighth grade students who took this up as their project a history project a civics project and so on uh their state senator uh, worked in a a little amendment in the state budget bill that uh, kept this thing alive and ultimately led to Elizabeth Johnson Jr. officially being cleared of the the, uh, yeah. the accusation of witchcraft. Which is fair enough after 329 years. What do we know about her? 
Um, you know, it's it's not much that they know about this woman. She may have had some uh, some mental uh, some mental issues, some mental problems, um, and importantly, she didn't have uh, a husband or children. So not only was that sort of suspect in the society of the time, why would a woman not be married or have kids? That was unusual. But also it meant that there was nobody, there were not uh, subsequent generations of of descendants to take the, to take this up. But in any event, she did, uh, she did plead guilty and she was not executed, but it, it is not until today that we actually see her name cleared of this, uh, of this blot on her, on her history. It- I mean, I'm actually, you know, this is. I'm very interested in this situation or this case or this particular, you know, moral panic really is what we might call it these days because it wasn't limited just to Salem. But this whole witch obsession is a fascinating story, isn't it, about why it happened and why these women were accused of being witches when there was virtually no evidence, obviously, that they were. Yeah, it's sort of this this uh, generalized paranoia or this contagious paranoia. But look, it was also, uh, you know, being able to accuse somebody of having supernatural powers, of being different or being malign was uh, was a big deal at the time, because maybe, you know, there are lots of things in our lives that are now explained that long ago yes. were considered to be a mysterious or occult. But I mean, also, this was potentially a way to harm somebody that you didn't like or to get attention or to deflect from your own uh, uh, faults and, and missteps in life. Mm. Um, and it, it really just got spun up into this, you know, this very... Um, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, it just became like a pow- a power trip. I'm sort of I'm yeah. sort of falling over myself trying to explain it, but um, you know, in, and especially in a society where women were not considered yeah, equal right. or yeah. were were sort of minimized or or pushed to the side, this was a way for people to take power. Unfortunately, it led to it led to this sort of slanderous and and even yeah. fatal treatment of other people in yes. their in their community. And it happened in England as well. And in fact, throughout Europe, uh, I think we're going to have to uh, look into this a little bit uh, deeper later on. Uh, Celeste, thank you very much. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Celeste Katz-Marston in Boston, Massachusetts.